Well, folks, it's that special time of year when shoppers are bustling around the mall and the streets are decked with wreaths and holly. It means, of course, that the big day is coming up. The beginning of the legislative session. How could someone think you maybe were talking about Christmas? No, but... no, no. <laughs> and we made a lot of calls to state lawmakers to find out what's on their wish list next year. That's right. That session is starting on January 12th. And here's just a little bit of what we heard. I'm going all in on education this year, I got to tell you. <laughs> My hope for the year is that we see, this isn't naive and being hopeful, that we see less of the bigoted and angering rhetoric, whether it's using terms like sissy or buckwheat. You know, I hope that we hear less of that and can focus more on policy. So I sort of anticipate, sadly, uh, maybe some more um, theatrics in the Capitol than than usual, which is sort of hard to imagine because it's a, a theatrical place. A theatrical place indeed. From member-supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado politics and democracy. I'm Andrew Kenny, your host this week with my colleague, Benta Berkland. Hey, Andy. Hello, hello. Good to be back in the studio with you. So let's get right into it. Right now, December, we're in the kind of quiet season for politics. We got past the off-year election session, like we said, doesn't start rolling into motion until January. But that means there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and people preparing for what could be a really interesting political year. Yes, and we're heading into the 2022 midterm election. A lot of seats are going to be up for grabs. We have a U.S. Senate race, balance of congressional power. Mm -hmm. And then also at the state house level, new political lines because we just had redistricting. Which only happens every 10 years. Right. That's making this really kind of murky for a lot of lawmakers is the fact that the districts that they'll be running in have changed, which means they could have new constituents. They're not sure if kind of the style of governing and the style of campaigning that they did in the past how that's going to work in their newly redrawn areas. So this is a major shakeup at the statehouse. Yeah. And it affected some, I mean, it affected every lawmaker because every district changed, but some a lot more than others. And Mm -hmm. one person that comes to mind who who I spoke with is Democrat Carrie Tipper, an up-and-coming lawmaker. She was in a safe Democratic seat. She's from Lakewood. She was drawn into a much more conservative district And another Democratic lawmaker was drawn into that same district, Lisa Cutter. So, Mm. you know, you either have to primary one of your colleagues or not run for re-election. She's not running for re-election. So I I talked to Tipper about kind of the change in her political fortunes. This is my likely my last session. And so I want to leave it all out on the line. Like what what is there left that I haven't been able to do that I'd like to accomplish? Well, Venta, that's a great example of the fact that people will often wait around for years in legislatures and legislative bodies waiting for that seniority, waiting for the chance to really exercise some power. And it can be disrupted quite suddenly by, say, redistricting or also by elections. So let's talk a little bit about how Democrats who are in power are feeling ahead of a 2022 midterm, which nationally is seen as being a pretty tough one coming up for Democrats. What are you hearing? A lot of times in this midterm election year, the majority party will try to focus on policies that maybe aren't as controversial, aren't as hot button. Um, The politics plays a big role. Politics and policy go hand in hand. Um, Democrats do have a very large majority in the House. They have a healthy majority in the state Senate. So some members may not want to play, quote, as safe. So I think there will be a lot of dynamics. 
Yeah, you know, curiously, I talked to Senator Julie Gonzalez, who is known as one of the most ambitious lawmakers in the body. And even she said she wasn't really sure what it would look like this year because people are pretty exhausted from last year and they've already got a lot in their plates. I'm not going to front. I think a lot of us um, needed a break after a real marathon session in, in 2021. But as we're coming back and, and gearing up for our 22 legislative session, we've had an opportunity to breathe. We recognize that there's still a lot of work to do. And I think that's some of the dynamic we'll see. You know, there's Democrats from safer blue districts. Their constituents want certain policies to pass. They don't want to lift their foot off the gas pedal, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And other members are going to be in more competitive seats and or they may just be more moderate. That may be their political ideology. And so, uh, you know, we see that push and pull among the Republicans for sure and, and Democrats as well. Yeah, that tension is real, that question of how far to go in an election year. I heard one Democrat say jokingly, I think, that they really hoped there wouldn't be any zero greenhouse gas emissions bill that sucks all the attention up and derails everything else. Or, um, you know, more tangibly, there's the criminal justice question, where I think you're going to see a lot of debate between Democrats about whether they continue to push for criminal justice reform in a year where public safety is the issue for the other side. Right. And even some Democrats, including the governor, say a top priority is to make communities safer. So I think we are going to see some tension there among Democrats. There was, you know, a big criminal justice reform bill that failed last session. It was defeated by Democrats in the, the very end of session. I talked to Democratic Representative Jennifer Bacon, and Bacon said she doesn't think that bill is going to come back exactly how it was written. But I think it's dangerous for us to allow us to kind of shrink back because of things that we know aren't true. I mean, crime is up because we have too many guns out there. There are people who are still unhoused. There are people who are sick. There are people who don't have jobs. Like, we need to be talking about that, you know? Yeah, she wants to break out of that idea where reforming the system somehow contributes to worse public safety. And I think that's going to be a political discussion, a philosophical debate, a policy debate. Uh, I'll be surprised if we don't see a lot about that next session. Well, anybody who's been through a few election cycles is probably feeling like, despite how much things have changed lately, this is a pretty familiar feeling for the midterm where, you know, Democrats are falling back, Republicans see an opportunity. I'm curious about, Benta, what have you heard from Republicans? Are they all unified on one strategy on how to take advantage and win back some power in Colorado, or are they all over the place? I would not say Republicans are unified, but I think there's going to be some things that do unify the party. A lot of Republicans I've talked to said they want to focus on expanding school choice for parents mm. and focus on parental involvement in schools, increasing funding for schools, uh, try to improve academic achievement uh, that was lost during the pandemic. Um, public safety is something Republicans said they're hearing from constituents. I think there's other issues that certain Republicans may want to focus on, whether it's abortion or election fraud and gun policies. So I, th I think we'll see a whole host of things. Um, mm -hmm. I talked to Republican Representative Matt Soper. He's from Delta. And he just noted like, how the caucus in the House is going to change so much based on term limits and the new political lines. There's very few Republicans out of the 24 who are going to be coming back after this session. And there's about to be a, a pretty big swing 
in the Republican caucus as far as you know the characters involved. And I do think that that some of that is also going to be reflected in the session. I mean, this is their their last session to be able to um, make those statements for future political office. And one person who we could see drawing a lot of attention is Representative Ron Hanks, a Republican. You know, he's already been known really well as one of the leading Republicans who's questioned the 2020 election results, who attended the January 6th rally in D.C., although he didn't go inside the building, um, and who also has allied himself with folks like Mesa County Clerk Tina Peters, who is under investigation for some security breaches at her elections office. Right. And he's running for U.S. Senate. There's quite a few people in that primary, but um, how he chooses to use his legislative platform to benefit his Senate race is something we'll be watching. Um, Speaking of people up for re-election, all of the statewide office holders, including Democratic Governor Jared Polis. Mm -hmm. And so that will add another dynamic there. He's got an agenda, literally an agenda that he wants to get done ahead of these uh, 22 elections that he wants to be able to campaign on. And from what I've heard, you might expect to see him uh, pretty vocally getting behind things that he likes and perhaps trying to do some crowd control in terms of what the legislature does. He's always a presence, especially on big bills. Uh, the question is how we might see him in the building this year. Yeah. and I mean, he has a, a lot of power, very hands-on with legislation. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see how Democrats, they've been pretty unified, actually, considering how many Democrats are in the legislature. I've been surprised how frequently they Mm. do stick together. Behind the scenes, there'll be some grumbling and and stuff. Um, Even the budgeting process, although a lot of that, we will see some concrete ideas of just where they explicitly want to send money compared to other places. And we're already actually deep into that, despite the fact that the session hasn't begun, the budget writing process is well underway. Mm -hmm. And a huge component of that is the question of how to spend the hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds upon hundreds of millions, that is coming to the state through federal relief packages like the American Rescue Plan. I think it's close to $4 billion. Wow, that's a lot of hundreds of millions. And I think lawmakers in both parties and on the budget committee, they were saying this is a once in a generation yeah. uh, moment in time to have this amount of money. Yeah, the word a lot of them are using is transformational. Uh, it's literally in the name of a couple of the task forces. Everybody loves a task force that are in charge of spending this money. And they're already uh, doing that work right now. And setting up these different groups, commissions, task force to, to look at the spending and where to put it has been pretty bipartisan. Yeah, I was really surprised to hear. I spoke to Senate Minority Leader Chris Holbert, a Republican, and he said that so far the Democrats seem to have done a good job of managing the spending process in a bipartisan way. I haven't heard my members saying, no, we're going to need a a minority report, which leads me to believe that there's been rather strong consensus on how those dollars should be prioritized. Now, maybe it's easier to agree when you've got a bunch of money that you just (laughs) got from the federal government and you're spending it on some broadly popular concerns. I don't know. I haven't usually found that that does lead to a lot of agreement. I've seen plenty of disagreement when there's money, but granted, there's disagreement when there's not money, too. So... Granted, as well, we've also not reached the point that there's like finalized recommendations yet. So maybe that'll come a little bit later. But let's talk a little bit for now about where that money could go. One of the biggest areas, and I think this will be really interesting to follow along with, is affordable housing, where you're talking about 
$600 million between different homelessness and housing initiatives. That's an enormous sum of money compared to what the state is usually able to dedicate to this cause. Affordable housing, huge issue. We hear across the state people bringing it up, you know, cost of living. Uh, How are they going to target that money? Great question. They're not done done with their list of where they'd like to be spent, this task force. But some of the areas that you will see are, first of all, putting a bunch of money into what's called the state's revolving loan fund, which is used to fund affordable housing projects and which will be renewed because developers are paying back money into it and governments are paying back money into it after building their affordable housing projects. But then you're also seeing some relatively new stuff like investing uh, more than $100 million into what are being called these long-term homelessness recovery campuses. Uh, One would be in Denver and one would be farther out east on the plains. That's something that we don't have a lot of right now. And that's an area where you could see something brand new, essentially, out of the spending package. And I think lawmakers do feel a sense of pressure with you having this amount of money. A lot of it's one-time, I mean, most Mm -hmm. of it's one-time money. So how do you spend that in a way that's going to make an impact, not going to lead to a lot of ongoing expenses that maybe the state can't afford in the future? Totally. I mean, and for the two things I just named, there'll be a hundred more specific programs that get a fair amount of money. I mean, stuff like trying to find innovative ways to build prefabricated housing gets, I think, 25 million bucks in this effort. And one other area that lawmakers in both parties are trying to put in a lot of money recovering from the pandemic and dealing with a mental health crisis we're hearing across the board from people of all ages. So uh, there's a behavioral health task force that's going to be looking at a whole host of things related to behavioral mental health. Benta, I think that those big spending proposals, the federal money is going to take up a lot of the beginning of the session. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in a typical session, anywhere between four and 600 bills might be introduced and they tend to get very, very specific. So I have a feeling that down the road, we're going to be talking about everything from school bus driver shortages to emergency medical service funding to infertility treatments and medical insurance. Anything you can imagine is going to come up and will come up this session. Every lawmaker gets a minimum of five bills that they'll introduce. Some are allowed to introduce a lot more. It's the discretion of legislative leaders. So we will have no shortage of interesting stories to bring all of you. That's right. And that'll be coming up just in January. I want to close out this episode. We talk a lot to you. Now we want to hear from you. We have a quick request for our listeners. It's so easy. It's going to help us out a lot. We want to know more about who you are and what exactly you want and what you get from this podcast. So if you've ever been listening to Purplish and you've thought, you know what, I really want to tell them how they're doing or I wish <laughs> I wish Andy and Benta said it this way or that way, now is your chance to give us feedback. Uh, we are planning our legislative season right now and we really want to make sure we're talking about the things you're most interested in and in a way you find interesting. So to that end, we've got a survey Super easy to fill out, take you a couple minutes, and it'll make the show better. It'll make society better. <laughs> well, maybe just the show. We've got it posted at our website. It's at cpr.org slash podcast slash purplish, or look for it on our individual Twitter accounts. I'm at Andy K-N-N-Y. And I'm at Benta Berkland. 
Well, that's it for this week's episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Andrew Kenny with my colleague, Benta Berkland. We'll be back in your podcast feeds with the start of session in January. If you're not subscribed, be sure to do so so you don't miss it. This is Purplish from CPR News. Beginning to look a lot like politics.